Aloha, everybody. I'm Q, the Abolitionist, and this is episode 30 of Unshackled Liberty. Today we have Joe Quirk on from the Seasteading Institute, and we talk about what life would be like at sea. Life at sea. It's an interesting concept, some interesting ideas, and we speculate on some things, but you know what? The technology's out there. The opportunities are there to live life at sea. Uh, we're going to go ahead and dive into this conversation with Joe Quirk, an amazing conversation that we had. So without further ado, here we go. Hey everybody, we're uh, we're here with Joe Quirk from the Seasteading Institute, and we are really excited to have this conversation about kind of a a new thing that's coming. I know Joe's probably been at it for a while, but uh, it's new for a lot of people. So, um, welcome, Joe. Thank you for joining us on Unshackled Liberty. Can you tell us a little bit about what seasteading is, and uh, and then let's just kind of go from there. What do you think? Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for inviting me. By the way, uh, seasteading is the conviction that government sucks. You get no arguments from us, man. That's and awesome. And we're done. Thanks. For- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> um, and and how do you fix that? Uh, do you do you fix it from the inside? Do you do you do you argue with your friends and try to persuade people, get people to uh, vote for one of the two politicians that gonna gonna choose the right answer for everybody, or do you take a Silicon Valley sensibility and say problems are solved through startups? Yeah. And in Silicon Valley, everyone likes to rethink everything. They love startup uh, companies. But if you offer people a startup country, a startup society at least, um, that really gets people thinking. And yeah. seasteading is uh, basically, I think of them as like the iPhones of the sea. They're the platforms you can create your own floating islands. 45% of the Earth's surface is unclaimed oh, by wow. any yeah. nation All of it's in the ocean. Uh, there's a thousand mile wild band uh, of, of calm waters with no hurricanes, no high waves going around the equator. And much of that is in international waters. And long before we go to Mars, we're going to start floating islands um, on this planet, which is really planet ocean. Yeah. You think yeah. of all the land on earth, the ocean is twice as much space as that. Dude, this whole concept gets me all just gets me all excited, man. I, you know, I know it's I know it seems kind of silly maybe to you guys, but but uh, ever since I first heard of seasteading, I've been all over it. I've been I've been paying attention probably for like the last uh, probably six or seven years, just trying to maybe figuring out what 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 it all is. And having you online now with us doing this, it's exciting. Um, yeah, and what, like I was involved with the futurist community, you know, in Silicon Valley for a few years. And, you know, I, I listen to all these great ideas, the singularity, AI, but it's always like, well, I don't, it sounds all cool, but I don't really understand it. I don't understand the mechanism. I'm just not sophisticated enough. I'm not technical enough. But floating platforms on the sea, combining the governance technology of cruise ships with the stability of oil platforms, that I get. 
Yeah. Yeah. I get moving these things around. I get detaching them and moving them in other places. And I understand that would be variation in societies and selection by citizens, which would be evolution and governance itself. And that's what got me excited about it. So I, you go go ahead. ahead. No, Gumbo, you you go Uh, ahead. No, I was going to say, because it's a little bit more, uh, it's it's a little more real because it's hands-on. You can, it's not some kind of crazy string theory floating around right. out the cosmos that you can't grasp. It's something like, hey, I could do this and I could like develop it, evolve it and bring people in to uh, expand it, you know, so. Yeah, and I, I was very uh, influenced by my first experience on a cruise ship, which was going to Alaska. And it, once I was on the thing, I realized this is a floating city with thousands mm-hmm. of people on it. And it had ice rinks and ice sculptures, and it was the best standard of living I'd ever had for one week. Oh, and it was cheaper per night than the coastal hotel I'd stayed in oh, yeah. the day before. And I'm like, what is it? I'm, I, I, I was walking around doing back of the napkin calculations. I'm like, you charge this much tickets, um, and then it's just this floating mansion, and so they have to make this much money. This thing must cost a billion dollars. And I couldn't figure it out. Why can't we have this on land? Exactly. I, wow. I did notice that it would fly the flag of, say, Panama. Right. Which, which is where we're trying to uh, build um, seasteads now. Um, and it took me a while to figure out that a flagged cruise ship is de facto self-governing. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I get drunk and assault somebody on the way up to Alaska, there's not, not, not much the Panama police can do about it. The, the captain of the cruise ship is basically a dictator. So he can lock me in the brig for the whole trip. He can drop me off at an obscure island and just wave bye-bye and leave me. What, what am I going to do? Sue him in Panamanian court? He can make you walk uh, the plank because <laughs> he's the CEO. Well, well, that's the question. That's the question. It's like, okay, so if these guys are a little, if every captain of a cruise ship is a tin pot dictator, why, why aren't I, why isn't he flogging me uh, why mm-hmm. isn't he uh, keel hauling me and making me walk the plank? And the answer is because people have choice among cruise lines. And since they're a for-profit governance provider, they're worried I'm going to go online and write a negative review. They're worried I'm going to choose another cruise line. So you, if you have co- competition among governance providers, it incentivizes cruise ships to constantly innovate, constantly find ways to drive down prices, constantly find ways to make things easier for you. And you don't have to sit on a cruise ship and argue about who the, who the captain is or, or who you're going to vote for. It's just all working out because it's a market. And yeah. that goes for the employees too. Yeah. I was really impressed. Um, all the people that were serving me so well were like from the Philippines and Thailand. They were kind of like from the developing world. And they seemed to share my sense of excitement. Like this is a time when I can live like, a middle-class Western waiter. Um, and I realized through this jurisdictional arbitrage, they can incorporate in one country, use the regulations from another country, the labor law they can get from say, whatever they flag in. And so they can create a much cheaper, better experience. And then the question becomes like, well, what if this wasn't just a vacation experience? What if, what if these things floated permanently in international waters? I love it. Yeah. You, That's you great. have startup societies. Yeah. So what's what's the what are the um, what are the mechanics involved in doing this? So you know both both Gumbo and I are are uh, sailors by trade. We were in the Navy for a while, and so that's probably what drives our interest in this whole thing. Is we've been to sea, we've been all over the world, and and I know for me that's what drives my interest. Is you know I was a damage controlman in the Navy, so 
So I did a lot of handyman stuff on ships. I, I, you know, I've been, I've been on four Western Pacific deployments all over the place and had a great time seeing all these different cultures. And, and actually one of the, my favorite things about being in the Navy was actually being at sea, not yeah. being in port, not being, you know, pier side somewhere, even, even stateside or even, you know, overseas. I loved being at sea. There's a calmness to just being out in the middle of the ocean. Um, granted, you know, we were on warships, so you got to take the good with the bad, but, but, what are the mechanics associated with taking something, floating it in a stationary location uh, out in the middle of the ocean? What, 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 what are we doing? How do, how, do we, how do we do that? So it's different from a boat. Yeah. Uh, so a it's, boat it's stationary, right? So it's got to figure out how to do that, right? So. Right. So the, the fundamental challenge is always waves. And, and you can't have civil society without curing the sickness, the seasickness right. problem. Yep. Uh, and, I, and I call it the wine test. If you can pour a glass of wine on your seastead and, and look at it and there's no ripples, you, you have hereby created a seastead. Okay. Um, so the Ocean Builders is the new company that has recently passed that test. Okay. Uh, they passed it 13 miles off the coast of Thailand and now they've passed it again in Panama, which is, you know, show me the big waves outside, pan down to your wine glass, the wine is, is stable. So on a boat, the way you maintain stability is by moving. Right. You're moving through the waves and the whole boat is designed to be something that moves. Um, a seastead is more like an oil rig, ocean builders, they call them the sea pod. Okay. If your listeners look up ocean builders and look up the sea pod, it's basically like, um, like a single spar oil rig. So I think of it as a wine bottle. Okay. It's full of wine. Kind of like upside down, huh? Or something like that? A right side up uh, wine bottle. Okay. And imagine filling like the lower fifth of it with cement. So it's really heavy and it's kind of bobbing in the water. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe cement's not a good analogy because it would sink. Just say, let's just say wine. It's ballasted down at the bottom. Yeah. It's ballasted at the bottom. And then the neck of the, of the wine bottle is up above the water. Then you can put your little house on top of it. And because it's so heavy, so deep down below the waves, it creates that deep ballast that just makes it as stable as a fence post as the waves are moving past it and you're that's, remaining stable on top. That's so brilliant. That's yeah. so brilliant. Yeah. That's and awesome. So the oil and gas industry has had these things, but the challenge for seasteaders is how do you drop it from a billion dollars to something a middle-class uh, family could afford? So ocean builders have cracked that code and they engineered a, a sea pod for less than $200,000 U.S. dollars. Okay, what's the square footage? How many bedrooms? How many bathrooms? I'm in. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking like, uh, let's throw some comments boxes on top of the platform that's yeah. that AC, you know, and, and solar panels, no need for generators. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, solar panels, that, that takes care of the, the water maker. Um, look up C-Pod, uh, okay. which is at Ocean Builders, and, and they have all the specs, how much it costs, what, what are the bells and whistles you can get. It'll make it a little more expensive. What is the square footage? It's like two and a half floors. Uh, it's, it looks like something out of the Jetsons. So cool, um, man. Yeah. And just, I'm Googling it right now. Uh, so so yeah, I, might, I, might, I might blow my mind real quick while we're doing this. Yeah, but, but keep, oh, keep talking, man. <laughs> we're only starting to blow your mind. Because if you go down in the spar, you go down into an underwater room with uh, glass windows um, so you're looking out on the ocean and the fish are looking at you like you're the wow. one in the zoo or the aquarium. So you have your aquarium windows, right? 
So here's the key, here's the thing that's exciting about it being completely different from a boat. Um, it's a seastead, every seastead you build has to be environmentally regenerative by its very nature. Yeah. So it's beyond sustainable, it's environmentally regenerative. So if you're riding a boat over time, you get barnacles and all these things that are considered nuisances on your boat, seaweed, algae, mm -hmm. and you have to pull it out on land and scrape it off and clean it with biophalants that are bad for the environment. Yeah. We so call the that the hula skirt here in Hawaii. We call that the hula skirt. You get these ships <laughs> that just have grass growing all outside of them. Yeah. 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 I love it. The hula skirt. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Well, it's, 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 uh, and, and you know what that does also to the, to the, to the vessels is they, it slows them down. They're less efficient too. I mean, they're yeah. already using fossil fuels anyway. Right. But now you're slowing them down. So they're not nearly getting nearly the mileage out of their, out of their gas tanks, you know? Yeah. And it's eating away at the hull. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, eating away yeah. at the hull. It's steel. Um, I read that the U.S. Navy loses $100 million a year uh, in fuel costs because of stuff sticking to the boat. That's a very, so, I'm, sh I'm sure that's a conservative number, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm I, sure, I I'm sure that's way low. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, life is trying to cling to anything solid out there. If you have something stationary, all that stuff is no longer a nuisance preventing you from moving. It's a garden that yeah. you can grow. Um, when they floated this thing off Thailand, within two months, there were fish moving into it. Um, they were claiming it as little homes, little microorganisms were sticking to it and started to grow. So, um, so it's like a, li a living coral, basically. It is. It's a yes. fish uh, aggregation device. <laughs> a fish aggregation device and uh, a natural coral garden. It's beautiful. Awesome. So you're growing coral on these things. You're going to be catching things and eating it right out of the ocean. Right. With no cages. They just awesome. naturally hang out. Yeah. And um, so the great thing about that is that they're doing something called coral crete, which is they run like electricity uh, in wires down the side of the spar, which draws calcium uh, carbonate out of the water. Um, and then you, and then it sort of grows very fast over time. This coral crete, that encases the spar and bio rock. So now it, it, it never goes bad. Instead of um, wearing down over time, like a ship, it gets stronger over time. And then it floats out there for a century. And now you have a, you've increased the amount of coral in the world. You've increased the amount of algae in the world. You've drawn uh, carbonic acid out of the ocean, which is good for the, the everything. Yeah. And you have your ecotourism people come out there and live on it. I want to buy two. I want to live in one and rent the other one out to tourists. <laughs> yeah. One of our interested investors said it called it a CB and B. Oh yeah. Cool. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at these pictures on the uh, ocean builders, uh, you know, website and, and it, it looks all, I mean, obviously it's all, it's very sterile looking. The, the concepts are beautiful. It's amazing. What, where, where are the, um, I, I'm, you know, I'm staring at this stuff and I, I'm having a hard time because it's an audio show, right? So I got I to make, make noise with my mouth. But uh, what, 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 are the, what are the drawbacks to doing this? Or, let's be honest, there's got to be some sort of drawbacks. And me, immediately I'm thinking, okay, what would I do for work? I got a family. You know, I got I to gotta figure out how to, how to earn a living and, and raise some kids and, and whatnot. How, you know, what are, what are we doing for work out in the middle of the ocean? Yeah, we, we're calling it strategic incrementalism. Okay. So people have been thinking about this for a long time. So these first sea pods are going to be very close to shore in Panama. Okay. 
um, with, with uh, only the first step towards freedom. So there are, we're negotiating a maritime concession down there, which will basically get, make a tax-free renewable every 10 years. Um, so you'll be uh, just a short ferry ride from shore. And so the, the, probably the initial um, uh, business model is, as we said, CB&B. Um, there's a huge market for uh, fancy underwater hotels in the world where they charge, yeah. you know, $10,000 a night in Singapore and Norway. Well, this one's floating further out to sea. It's not just submerged close to shore. So people could be staying in this. You have class trips go out there and you show them, uh, you know, the, you give them little eco tours and you show them out the window how the animals are attaching to it or whatever you want to do. They're partnering with uh, fish farms down there. Um, open blue and stuff like that. You could stick a sea pot in the middle of one of those. Um, and then it goes from there. So if that then makes Panama happy, you kind of go back to them and you negotiate a little more freedom. Maybe you move a little further out to sea. But I think pretty rapidly we can go out onto the high sea, you know, more than 12 miles out into international mm -hmm. waters. Yeah. Hopefully plant a, a flag, a flag of convenience on it from like the Bahamas or, the, or Panama or whatever it is, then you can, then you can really play. Uh, right. Anybody who wants to get out, you know, medical research, uh, a, a floating hospital offering, um, you know, some kind of uh, uh, medical, some sort of, uh, uh, any kind of medical procedure you might not be able to get on land. Or imagine some of these sea pods floating off the coast of LA, uh, offering better, cheaper, faster healthcare. Oh, 12 yeah, miles yeah. out is a 20 minute ferry ride. So that's shorter than most people's commutes. You go out there and you get cheaper uh, heart surgery without having to fly to India or Mexico. Um, when you offer people like the platform for a new society, they come to you with their governance apps and it goes on and on and on. Seaweed farmers are, are regulated to death in California. They're, mm -hmm. They reach out to us for seasteads. I was thinking like marine biologists would eat this up because you're going to, as it expands, you know, throughout time and it grows and you, you go out further and further, you're, you're seeing uh, how the marine life would adapt to something like that. And you could see things from a different lens. I guess. God bless you. God bless you. Excuse me. I'm allergic to excitement. <laughs> when, when, when we were trying to do this in French Polynesia, the, um, the marine biologist there who runs like, uh, uh, now I can't, the Gump Research Station, which monitors the lagoons out there for environmental purity. He was like, man, if we, instead of me taking trips out there and taking samples, if we had a permanent floating office out there, we could just be working 24 hours a day, monitoring the lagoon, testing things. I mean, we could bring in so much more data. Like people bring their own ideas to how this could help what they do. It's fascinating. I, it's the whole idea. I, you know, every time I, every time I think about it or talk about it, I just get excited. Now you, you mentioned Thailand a while, a while back you were, uh, there, there was that, uh, that couple that did that. And then what happened with the government in Thailand? Do you remember that? Sure. I, I just, I just vaguely remember it. It's just one okay. of those minor incidents that didn't traumatize us I, at all. I didn't, I didn't mean to, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make a yeah. I'm not trying to turn this into a, <laughs> to a tough conversation. It's just, you know, I'm going, my brain's going hundred miles an hour. I'm like, how can I do this? Right. I want to do it. Right, I'm right. trying to figure out how to do it. And then I remember these guys, they had some problems with the Thai, Thailand authorities and whatnot. Yeah. 
And, so uh, I'm, I'm delighted by the question because I'm writing a, a book about this amazing adventure. So they uh, figured out how to do this. Ocean Builders, uh, co-founded co partially by some of the top, probably the most dedicated volunteers at Blue Frontiers, which is yep. a company that co-founded trying to work in French Polynesia. That didn't work out of French Polynesia. So then they said, screw it, let's just build one. They got permission um, from the relevant departments in Thailand. They, they spoke to lawyers there. They, they got permission from the harbor master. And then they went out more than 12 miles out, which is international waters, and did this little demonstration project, planning to return to Thailand and say, we just busted open tourism in this area. Yeah. This is this is what it looks like. It's you know it's the size of the office I'm sitting in right now. Um, rogue admirals in the Thai Navy, I think, looking to advance their careers, simply declared this um, a threat to national sovereignty, and took a military armada out there of battleships and um, helicopters, and did a huge publicity stunt. Luckily, my fr they announced it in national media the night before they went out there. So my friends got word from it, and they fled on a sailboat straight into a lightning storm. Oh, man. And then that becomes the adventure that they were on, which is more unbelievable than you could possibly imagine. But um, the Thai government has never charged them with anything. So these are just, these are just you know, admirals, captains, and, and they're just trying to trying – to cause trouble basically they're, they're they're not on their leash and so they're out there running around causing trouble yeah i can't i can't guess what their motives are we have lots of theories um and and we're, we're trying to figure out what's going on but it seems like this these uh, thai admirals just acted independently to declare these people a threat and to issue the death penalty um they escaped made it all the way to panama um, and then we started uh, negotiating with the government of Panama about whether we could do that there. Um, and so now they have, they finished their C-Pod factory in Panama. It's built. Um, and the largest 3D printer in Latin America is now inside it. And they're going to start uh, building Whoa. the first C-Pod. So these things are printed? These, these C-Pods are, are, are printed? Is that what you're saying? Wow. Initially, the molds to make the sea pods, I think, are what, gonna be, what are going to ah, be printed. Okay. And then the sea pods will be built from that. I think over time, they're going to start printing the sea pods themselves. That's so awesome. I've got my little Ender 3 in the garage, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll just start working on one. It'll take me a thousand years. And I'll one little piece at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they also sell um, uh, just the spar technology without the the jetsons looking lines you, you pointed out maybe that's not to your style so if you want to design your own c pod for even cheaper they'll just sell you uh the c plot oh, which wow. is just the spar with the platform on it and then you can put whatever kind of house you want on that yeah the concepts are beautiful they're just very sterile right you know i yeah, i gotta sell this to the wife she's gonna want to put some curtains up and some you know nice hardwood floors and uh you know, have a place for the dog to go to the bathroom you know? Yeah, I, I live in a Victorian, <laughs> an old Victorian. My wife is the same thing. Uh, she, she's like, I want dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. And it's cool. I just say, I, I, you know, you, the imagination, of course, is running wild, right? You know, so I'm, you know, looking at all these pictures, like I'll just, you know, go for a swim and, you know, go get dinner. 
you know, dive in with a spear gun and just, yeah. just take care of business, you know? That, that's fun. how they were living on that seastead. They were yeah. just eating the fish that was coming to their that's crazy. sea pod and gathering around. That's, that's awesome. So, so whenever, whenever Q first uh, told me about this, this show and having you on and stuff, the first thing that came to mind was Waterworld, Kevin Costner. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, Mad Max on the water, baby. You know, like, right. you know, here, comes the, here comes the Thai Navy. You know, bust out the spears. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's, it's one of the most common questions. And, and there's like 25 questions we always get asked. You know, what about Waterworld? What about pirates? What about waves? What about tsunamis? What about hurricanes? Mm. Uh, and it becomes so um, exhausting um, answering all those questions. I made little one to two minute videos called Seasteading. What about War World? Yeah. Um, and, and then we answer the question. And what's, what's, what's really interesting about Water World is that it's a metaphor for everything that goes wrong on land. Yeah. Uh, none of that would be true on the ocean. Like um, they're competing for oil uh, in the movie. And oil is something you need on land that you have to drill through rock and get to, but energy is abundant on the ocean. Mm -hmm. uh, waves may be a, a, a problem, but it's, it's this endless source of energy your house is just sitting on. So there's wave energy, there's wind energy, there's solar energy, and, and the, the, the seastead that was out there in Thailand was powered entirely by solar energy. They had internet access, they had 60 gallons of water a day was made using solar energy, 60 gallons a day. The water world is like, I have to drink my own pee because there's so yeah. little water. <laughs> You've probably heard all these questions. I thought I was yeah. going to be cool with the Kevin Costner thing. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's like, uh, what was that Australian movie um, with Mel Gibson? Uh, you guys know it is. Was that, was was that Mad, was, is that Mad, Mad Max? Max. Yeah. yeah. So Mad Max to me is like a realistic desert world where the rest of civilization has been nuked and then you have to fight over gas. Yeah. yeah, I think that is what has happened on land. So yeah. they took that concept and tried to put it on water, but they brought other land-based assumptions with them. That's true. It's like, you're not going to have to worry about water. Food, uh, uh, sea crops grow without fresh water, without soil. So fish, algae, all these edible seaweeds don't need any of that. And you sure don't need to drill for oil. Um, so I, that kind of question, it gets you thinking. You have to, you have to, um, Seasteading requires you to overturn like all the paradigms you have on land. Uh, one of my favorites is gravity. Gravity is your friend out there. So here on land, it's like we have a limited bit of space, so we have to build a skyscraper. Yeah. Build against gravity, and it's so much effort. And then people imagine, oh, well, how will you have skyscrapers on the sea? It's like, no, what? Gravity is your friend on the ocean. You want an upside down skyscraper. You do. You want you want the gravity. You want gravity and buoyancy pulling in opposite directions, mm -hmm. right? You're, 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 yeah. Those forces is what gives you the stability you're looking for. That's right. Awesome. Yeah. That's good, dude. Oh man, I'm psyched. I don't even. I I think I'm ready to. I think I'm ready to sign up. <laughs> so and it solves our political problems because um, I'm going to be with you guys in our little voluntarist seastead and then yeah. someone else has a different idea yeah um and then they can go do their seastead and they these, were and these are mobile right so i mean even if there's a if there's a significant issue in a community and we need to we need to separate ourselves we can we can go find other places to go and other places other people to hang out with right yep that's isn't that kind of the premise yeah that's the whole idea that's i think of it as a floating venice where you can move your little city block elsewhere that's so cool that's so cool
I like it. I don't know, man. How deep is the water usually? Or, or I guess, not, not how deep has the water been that, that you guys have been doing this? Are we talking hundreds of feet? Or are we talking a couple, you know, dozen feet? Or what, what are we looking at? Uh, hundreds of feet. Yeah. Uh, the idea is, it's, you know, at a certain level, it doesn't matter how deep it is. All that matters is the waves. Yeah. Uh, and then it actually becomes a problem when it becomes too shallow and you can't sink your spar too far. And that's why the first sea pods they're going to make in Panama are going to be three spar structure holding up one sea stead. Because okay. since the, it's less deep, they can't hang the spar as far down. Right. I know that and the reason I brought that up is, is just the way the waves operate, way tsunamis operate. Deep water is generally less, less of a threat than shallower water for those things. You know, these are just, you know, I just, I got all this stuff running around my head. It's all yeah. Fun. Tsunamis is another one. Everyone asks about tsunamis. Yeah. It's like tsunamis are... That's not an ocean problem. That's a land problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if you're, if I'm, if I'm sitting on the coast in my boat and I hear a tsunami's coming, you want to get out in deep water. You want to go, yeah, I'm gonna you get go, away from go, as as I can. go towards it and then go over the top of it and back down the backside of it. And you'll be just fine. Yeah. You know, absolutely. It's not a problem at sea. It's a problem on land. That's for sure. Those, yeah. those poor coastal houses, they're sitting ducks in a tsunami. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's, you're not wrong. It doesn't matter if they're on stilts or not. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get whacked. Yeah. yeah. So how, how receptive has uh, Panama been to, um, to this whole thing? Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I met with all, all these government ministries right up to the presidency without meeting the president, but we, we, we made a presentation at the presidency. We met with the Panama Canal Authority, which okay. is a great power down there. Um, uh, we met with the... Uh, the uh, Ministry of Economy and Finance, which is, which is run by a guy who studied under Milton Friedman. So you'd be surprised. It's like libertarians have like infiltrated the Panamanian government. Uh, that's even, I was that's getting even more to... reason to go. That's even more reason to go. <laughs> now, I just got off a phone with a colleague who's like, there's been a huge backlash because of COVID. You know, it's, 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 it's empowered the, the status to, to crack down more. That's international. That's all over the, the world right the now. The scandemic, the pandemic yeah. of our time. <laughs> the pandemic. Yeah. 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 So they, they got to work through all that just like the rest of us, I guess. But, uh, but so otherwise the, the, the government has been pretty receptive to this idea. That's good. That's real good. They're, they're um, receptive to it. And uh, what I hope is that we create enough little startup societies uh, that it changes the old governments by setting better examples as significantly as Hong Kong changed communist China by saying. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, it's like the, if they see how it can be done and then they see that there's a, there's a, a competition for, you know, the, the, the people resource, you know, yeah. uh, you know, the, they might have to change their, change their minds, you know, why, why they built the whole Berlin wall to keep people in instead of letting people run free, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this will be a positive motivator to help, help them change some of their totalitarian ways, so to speak. I don't know. We, we win by setting better examples. You know, I, I always point out like people board cruise ships, which are essentially libertarian skyscrapers that govern themselves and they yeah. never change their ideology. Yeah. They just choose a better option. Mm. They don't think that, Oh, for vacation, I want to go vacation in private governance. Those thoughts don't happen. Um, you provide people with better choices and then you, you unleash the free world. 
Hey everybody, this song is called If Death's Your Only Friend, Where Do I Fit In? This is from a band called Giants of Atlantis out of Jacksonville, Florida. This is a metal band. Hope you enjoy the song. We'll chat a little bit afterwards. If you liked that song like I did, you can follow Chris on Twitter at Scooch 
2192. That's at Scooch, S-C-O-O-T-C-H, 2192 on Twitter. Uh, he's the guy that sent me this file. Um, you give him a shout out. Let him know how much you enjoyed his music. Maybe, uh, maybe you can support him. Thanks. So what are, um, are there, what are the big marketing things you got going on to help, help spread the word on this? Do you have any, any, anything you want to share? Well, it's me. There's, there's uh, my book that I wrote describing the big picture. Um, And then I make uh, lots of videos and I give lots of talks. Um, But yeah, we, we get a lot of press. Uh, The problem is, is there's just, um, you know, when I first got involved with this eight years ago, there were so many challenges, you know, the cost challenge, the engineering challenge, you know, Um, all those challenges have been solved. Yeah. And the last remaining challenge is people's misunderstanding. Um, it's, it's so hard to fight against fake news and misinformation, which is the only thing that, that crushed the project in French Polynesia. You know, uh, um, uh, so it's really about, it, our big challenge now is educating the public about what this represents. Uh, you know, uh, an environmentally restorative, free, voluntarist societies, not, not an argument for free societies, but a technology for free societies. It's that by its very nature. And then you can can watch people experiment with their different societies and laugh at the fiascos and learn something from the ones that succeed. Um, And this is the way we, uh, you know, I I, I used to, I should have worn my t-shirt that says stop arguing, start start seasteading. That's cool. Stop arguing, start seasteading. So, you know, Michelangelo counseled us criticized by creating. Yeah. So if you create better examples with your allies, that will do more to change people's minds than any argument you make on Twitter. I like it. What do we, um, well, so what do we do? What do we, I go back to Thailand. What, what do we do to prevent, say, Panama from changing their mind and all of a sudden just saying, no, you can't do this and then wiping it all out? What, and you, you, know, you mentioned the French Polynesian problem. I know I don't want to sound like like negative because I'm so on board with this, but what do we do when the governments of the world decide, no, this isn't going to happen? And you just have a bunch of people out in the middle of the ocean trying to live peaceably, and and they they're not prepared, they're not armed, they're not prepared for that level of threat from the governments. What do we do about that? Yeah, it's the it's the only way freedom ever uh, uh, happens. Yeah, because uh, tyranny always accelerates. Yeah. Uh, in Panama, I hope you just set, you do it the same way cruise ships did it. You set such a good example, and all your people like that thing. Okay. And then there's going to be political backlash if if politicians go out and start attacking you. Hmm. Uh, I like to point out, you know, no standing army in the Cayman Islands. The U.S. could go attack them anytime. Uh, and a, they, a lot of and these, they don't, right? Yeah, and they just leave them alone. Yeah. Yeah, because they provide services that powerful people in the U.S. want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it's the same thing. It's like my grandmom's been on a cruise ship. You can't send, uh, you know, people out there to say that they can't have, they can't hire people with different labor laws and different safety laws and different all this stuff. Mm. So I think you take steady steps towards improving um, and set a better example faster than people can react and get angry and send out. The I, I guess if you're, if you're technically in international waters, I mean, there's not much that a government, a coast could, could do to you. Right. Like as, as it expands and you go deeper out to sea, further out to sea. 
seasteading lawyers argue about this all the time. So um, some people say, if you're in international waters, you can do whatever you want. The, there are so many laws that are complicated and phrased vaguely so that there's questions of, well, what if you get on a boat and then go back to the US? Is there an immigration issue if you're born on the seastead? Uh, some interpretations of international law say if you don't fly a flag of convenience, then uh, states are obligated to consider you a pirate and come board you. Uh, the, the, the US Coast Guard is one of the most aggressive. They go around boarding ships that are even outside yeah. their territorial waters. But generally, they find if you're not smuggling drugs or, or human uh, slaves, then they just let you go. Um, so the, I think what, what I'm working on that will make us bulletproof in international law is a flag of convenience, but not designed for a yacht, not designed for a ship, not designed for an oil rig, designed for a seastead. So there's a new type of technology where people are going to be living or we're going to be running businesses and we need a new kind of flag for that. Yeah. Um, so I'm talking to a couple of flag registries about how that can be arranged. So this is kind of like seasteading and agorism and 3D printing and voluntary, uh, you know, voluntary action out there on the open water. And it's, it's a whole new science, you know, that's blockchain governance. I yeah. love it. <laughs> there you go. Blockchain. All this has been paid for by Bitcoin. <laughs> right on. Everybody at Ocean Builders is a Bitcoin fanatic. Dude, that's great. What's uh, what's the flag going to look like? Do you have an idea? <laughs> well, the first I, I immediately go, is it going to be an ANCAP flag? That's just easy. The black and yellow flag. Let's do that one. You know? That would be very cool. <laughs> um, so the first flags will just look, look just like the flag of the, of the country. So mm -hmm. if you get a, a flag in the Bahamas, it's not like having a terrestrial flag Correct. Yeah. on land, but, but it's like having a flag of convenience on your ship, which has a different set of rules and a lot more freedoms and no corporate tax, no personal tax in the Bahamas. So it, the flag looks the same. Um, so it, 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 it's going to look like, any regular flag. I think over time, once seasteads are established, once people have children on seasteads and families are growing up there, I think you can make a humanitarian appeal to the United Nations. These things deserve uh, sovereignty and to be recognized as such as their own little nano nations. Let's, let's wow. rewrite international law. You do it every generation. Now it's time to do it again. That's good. Yeah, that's real good. Well, I, I got to probably spend some time selling it selling it to mrs abolitionist but i think i know i'm i know i'm on board i gotta i gotta figure out what to do with my wife and kids though so <laughs> yeah. well it's like uh it's like the covered wagon you know it's yeah. like most people said i ain't getting a no covered wagon and living in that thing but then once they built the farms in this case it'll yeah. be algae and fish farms we need a gold rush that's what we need we need the 1849 california gold rush but at sea yeah. so how do we how do we generate that that's what we need you know, a uh, mass uh, farming of the seas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, seaweed is way more healthy than and now we're getting into what's in my book. It's way more healthy than uh, corn, wheat and soy uh, on which we give away so much land to grow that kind of stuff. Um, it requires no fresh water, requires no soil. Uh, and uh, it's environmentally restorative uh, because it draws uh, carbon out of the ocean, which which draws carbon out of the air. They use carbon as shorthand. 
Um, and if you drop that stuff to the bottom of the ocean, you can, you just, you, you take it out of the biosphere. Um, there's also a, something in my book called Ocean Thermal Energy Conversion, OTEC for short, which is basically using the whole ocean as a solar panel. So uh, Lockheed Martin said water will be the next oil. So if you drop like a thousand, uh, a thousand foot pipe down into the deep ocean, you have, if you do this in the tropics, you have a temperature differential from the bottom of the top of the pipe. Very cold, frigid, deep water, very warm surface water. Yep. You can use that to run a turbine, which can generate a tremendous amount of electricity. Um, and then you can store that in batteries and sell it. Uh, OTEC plants are being built right now. Wow. Uh, well, there's one in Hawaii that's, that's operating um, and providing uh, energy for a few hundred homes. Um, the amazing thing about that is that a, a pipe that deep under the water would draw up all this uh, uh, deep cold water that is rich with nutrients. So most of the ocean is a desert because all the, the nutrients flow below where sunlight can reach. So photosynthesis isn't engaged. And the places where there's like rich ecosystems is all the places where there's upwelling, like a, a tide hits an island and then wells up. Uh, and then you have the whole ecosystem. Yeah. Well, if you can just draw that deep water up to the surface, you'll have ecosystems naturally. You'll have ocean gardens. Um, and then you can just have whole ecosystems out there. And a byproduct of running an OTEC plant is that it converts a lot of ocean water into fresh water. So you have your nutrients, uh, basically the elixir of life from the bottom of the ocean that's been deposited down there for, you know, a billion years, pulled up, converted into food and life. You have fresh water as a byproduct and you produce a tremendous amount of energy and it's completely green. Dude. Ocean thermal energy conversion. There's I'm been in. visionaries working on that. So that's the gold rush, I think. They need an, they need wow. they need employees. I mean, they need people to go work for them. I you know I mean uh, I, you know I can move. You I know got my sea legs, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can I can do stuff. I can spin a wrench. I can think about some stuff. You know I don't know. That sounds Ocean fun. builders needs you. All they're right. uh, they're starting a tech incubator. Okay. Because they have a lot of little technical problems to work on to build these sea pods. Three hmm. uh, D printing experts. Um, uh, blockchain experts, uh, people that, that know how to run a wire, whatever it is, solar. Um, they're they're going to get together a, a team of a small team of uh, of tech hackers to go down there and work with them. This is what this would be happening right now if COVID hadn't happened. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And they were going to. That's kind of set everybody back, hasn't it? That whole coronavirus thing has kind of set everybody back. There's a lot of yeah. things that you know. Yeah. It's across the world, but. We'll get back to it, right? We'll get around to it. Okay. And they were ordering materials for the 3D printer from across the sea. And all of a sudden it's like, nope, it's not coming. Um, so yeah, it set, it set everything back. Um, but uh, they're still moving forward. They completed their factory and they still want to, uh, whenever they're cleared, they want to have people come down in groups once a month to work on whatever they think is cool with regard to building these things. Oh man. And the, I've been talking to people, they want to buy a cruise ship and park it there. So you have your city center um, and people can live on the cruise ship and rent out the cabins because cruise ships are like 5% of their price right now. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. They're, they've, they're, their prices have dropped, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. And some of the best are being sold for scrap. Yeah. It's crazy. It's unset. It's unset. It's unsatisfactory. Um, but hey, you know, it's good that if somebody can get on, get in on, get, get in on that. Yeah. That's good. So you get your Seastead community and your cruise ship. Then they want to buy a, a cargo ship and build a sea pod factory on there. So now you have workers and a place to work and you start pumping out sea pods. And then when the government goes bad, you get on your ships, load up your sea pods and go somewhere else. So there are ships out there that, that, that are being sold for fractions of the price that it costs to create them, right? Like one, one, yeah. of, our, one of our good friends, Red Rocket, he was sending us uh, links to like, Coast Guard cutters that they're selling for fractions of the price. And yeah. they, gut it, they gut all the technology out of them, but it's a still a, a working hull. It's, a, it's still a ship. And it's like, wow. Take yeah. One of those, take one of those, park it next to your CPOD community and, and create, like you said, you know, the epicenter of the town. Yeah. Downtown area. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the cruise ships aren't even being gutted. It's just like wholesale. It's like it costs more to maintain these things parked now. Yeah. That's incredible. If anyone wants to buy them, you know, for less than 10 million, take it. Um, so there are, Ocean Builders is looking for investors for that. Another amazing thing about the C pods is they don't need investors. You can go straight to customers because they're affordable. Yeah. Um, but the bigger plans for, for ships that would be building these things, they need investors. I imagine some blockchain mining out there yep. on the open water. You know what I mean? Yet another business model. Yeah. Um, I'm, lo I'm looking at, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the seat plat the seat platform picture online. It's got a picture of a nice little boat parked right next to a little, these, uh, you said the tri spar, what is that? That there's three spars and a platform, you know, I'm on the ocean builder website again. Just yeah. That's out. for their first shallow water version. That's cool. That's very cool. Hang on. Keep talking guys. I got a dog that's barking in the background. I got to take care of. No worries. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> um, the, uh, and then I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, um, why do people have data centers and, and mine cryptocurrency on land? It makes no sense. If you do it on the water, you're cooling it with cold ocean water. Yeah, that's which makes smart. it 30% more efficient. It's so, basically chill water. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, if, you, if you float, that, that's probably why Google was floating their data center. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and that got regulated out of existence. Uh, but if you go out onto the sea and you, and you mine out there, you're, it's, 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 you know, you're dropping the cost by a third, you know, you're getting that many more Bitcoin. It's, that's a great business model for seasteading. Yeah. I, think, I, I didn't understand that the, the possibilities, you know, that, that seasteading brings to the table. You know, you can do everything there and it, you, you're generating your own energy to develop all your own technology and without outside, inter you know what I mean? Yeah. Cost of solar just keeps dropping abundant ocean, uh, tons of sun on the ocean. You know, you guys, um, you guys need a Netflix TV show or something like that. I'm <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. Maybe a reality, maybe a reality show, maybe, a, maybe just a, a family sitcom or something like that. You, you need something to, I mean, I'm sure you got, you guys got a million different ideas. You don't need, you don't need me telling you what you need. I, you know, I know that I just, these are just the things that are running around in my head. Yeah. That, you know, I'd love to, I would watch that TV show. I would. Cause you All know, right, well, I'd watch it for my C-Pod. Yeah. yeah. A reality TV show has been proposed, developed and is being pitched. Wow. Considerable budget was, was brought to it. 
so yes, a, a reality TV show um, based on the first Seastead community is, is definitely being pitched. I don't know if it's going to be made, but it's been pitched and we're That's waiting cool. for an answer. Uh, so cool. I just, the other day I saw um, the Discovery Channel uh, made uh, a whole show about floating featuring the Dutch engineer Kuhn Uthaus, Uthuis, okay. um, who I call an aquatect. And they took clips from my Seasteaders documentary and they made a whole show about this, the, the, how the sea pod works. That's awesome. Uh, I'm so excited that's going to come out. And then there's a documentary team that wants to film them build it, you know, building the sea pods down there. So if you join the incubator, maybe you can be part of that documentary. Cool. Wow. That'd be cool. It's, it's really amazing. Like I wrote, I wrote this book here talking to this grand idea of cities on the sea and how it would all work in this big, large scale thing. And now here it is a few years later and ocean builders are doing all these things. It's kind of happening. All affordable scale for one family. Yeah. It's just amazing to witness this. It'll, it'll get there. Uh, and you know, these are the big, this is like, you know, we, we keep going back to this, but this is like the, this is like you, the Europeans come into the new world and then eventually, you know, going across and settling the, 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 the great plains out to the West coast and all of this stuff. And I mean, I'm not trying to compare it to the United States government necessarily, just, just the whole process of expansion and, and exploration and trying to find new things and being out on the frontier and, building these little communities of friends and family and all this stuff. I think that's awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. And we're just doing it now in the 21st century. And since we've used up all the land, it's now, okay, let's, what can we do with this big body of water that we're all, you know, huddled around, you know? Yeah. There's a reason so many Americans are into this and there's a reason so many Californians are into this because it, it evokes that frontier thing we have in our culture yeah. and the federalism that happened among the States is a huge uh, inspiration. Yeah. Cause that's when you had these competing different governments trying to get people to come and they're yeah. all racking their brains, trying to come up with better rules to get people to come. Uh, and there's a whole story in my book uh, called she steading. Uh, you know, men didn't want women to vote. Why did women eventually vote? People really don't know the story. Uh, the, the, the government teaches us that it was a bunch of wise, benevolent politicians decided to change their mind in 1920. That ain't how it works. <laughs> Uh, uh, the, the, the real story is the, 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 the newly formed territory of Wyoming had a six to one gender ratio. And it's like, we need wives, man. How do we, how do we get the chicks to come? That's what, that, this is what always happens. Men race <laughs> out on the frontier and belatedly realize, wait a minute. Move to, move to Wyoming. We'll let you vote. <laughs> the, the thing that drives exactly. everything, right? <laughs> exactly. It was like 1869. They started offering women unqualified voting rights. That's cool. Women That's great. There and then other states started doing it. That's how it happened. It was piecemeal. And that's just one example. A lot of the U.S. government was formed by this competition for citizens among, among these different groups. And that's how Sharon burned down her she shed because of that. Who? You know, those commercials about the she shed. Never mind. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, thanks for that, Gumbo. There's a commercial about a lady burning down her shed or something. What happened? Is, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That sounds great. I, you know. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you, you, get, you get all the females together on their sea pods and they're in competition. You know, they got to pick their, their man. You know. <laughs> Somebody's she yeah, shit's getting burned that's down. A, hey, that's a new, that's another reality show. It's like yeah. uh, The Bachelor, but on, you know, on the, on the seasteading. Yeah. yeah. In the pods. Yeah. That'd be I funny. Mean, 
we're not even getting through this podcast. We're already like, oh crap, how do I get the wife to come? <laughs> That's where I'm at all the time. Just so you know, I, you know, I, I've got all these great ideas and this is definitely one of them, but it's always like, well, she's the one that keeps me grounded. Right. I, I've, I often joke that if it wasn't for my wife, I'd be living out of a, I'd have all the cool toys, right. All these great things that have surf, surfboards and boats and all this cool stuff, but I'd be living in a van down by the river. You know, I, I, just, I am that sea pod off in the distance. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, it's my wife that keeps me grounded and keeps me focused on things. But this is one of those things I got to figure out how to get her on board with, because I think uh, it'd be a blast. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. So. And, and, and Chad has Nadia. Nadia was on board right from the beginning. Yeah, that's great. I love yeah. That. So do you, um, are there a lot of people that are showing interest in this right now? A lot of people that are, that are just ready to go? Yeah, they, they some people have already uh, put down money. It's only like five percent or something. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, there are people that, as a matter of fact, they were ready to start the pre-sale of the Seasteads um, just before the Thai Navy attack. As a matter of fact, the Thai Navy attacked two days before the pre-sale was going to start. So the timing was good. So they already had a huge bunch of people saying, "Yes, I want to buy a Seastead." We had, there was an investor that says, yes, I want to do an underwater restaurant, build the big one. Um, and dur during the manhunt, when there was all this hysteria and they're going to die, it caused the number of people clicking on, I want to buy a Seastead on Ocean Builder's website to triple Whoa. just during the week of the manhunt. So it just, lots of people are interested and people are interested in helping and people volunteer to get involved. It's, 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 there's, there's, a, there's a lot of people that want to create a free society. You know what it was? It was all the, the, the Thai Navy's upper brass. They were, they were like, how do, we, how do we sell this to our government about the, the sea pods and seasteading? Like, well, let's attack them, but not really. <laughs> and increase the... You know, increase the <laughs> That's cool, man. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to get them attacked by another government because it was so good for the, for the mission. Do you have, do you, do you have like the, uh, the economic data of who's, who's I mean, you, I don't expect you to have it right offhand, but do you have the economic data um, for who's interested? Are we talking about wealthy, wealthy people? Or are we talking about, you know, Joe Sixpack? Or what, what are we talking about here? Uh, yes to everything you said. Yes, we have okay. the data. And yes, it's Joe Sixpack and wealthy people. Awesome. So we one of our volunteers uh, just broke it down. You know, we used to have the raw data and just, the last week I saw it broken down in pie charts and graphs that I haven't seen before. And I'm like, great. Yeah. And wow. I shared that with our Dutch engineers. So it's like, this is the age range. These are the income ranges. There, there are people that are, you know, with no money at all that are interested. Yeah. People saying, would they live on a cruise ship? Uh, how much square footage they would need, whether they want to bring kids, what kind of business they would want to run, whether they would run around a business, all that it's all broken I, down. I think I filled out that survey. I'm not even lying. I've been, I've been following this stuff for, uh, for a while and, you know, I got on one of these email lists, right? So every so often I'll get an email from, from, uh, from you guys or, or, uh, whoever your marketing team is, you know, and, and, um, and I'll just, and I, you know, I'll click on it because I'm into it and I want to see what's developed and what's new and, and what's coming out. And, and I think I remember doing that. Would you do it? I clicked yes. And I think what, you know, what would I like to do or what kind of skills do I bring to the table and that, and I filled that out. I think I did. Cause I, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I'm into it. I think it's a great idea. I can't wait to see it kind of take off. Um, and just, you know, see it grow, you know? So that's neat. That's real neat. So I, I need you guys to help me. My ambition has been to name the first Seastead Q. Oh. I think I have some allies here. You absolutely do. 
That's good. Will be in the shape of a Q. Dude, I think you're mixing up two different cues. That's yeah. <laughs> that's cool, man. That would that I, you have an ally in that. I think that's great. You're gonna yeah. So so that we've talked about the pods. Some of these pictures I've seen of there's uh, there's pictures of like floating cities. Yeah. Can, you know, I mean, I know these are a lot of these are just concept designs and stuff like that. But I mean, you you know, there's there's some pictures where it's like uh, you know if you, you know anybody who's listening to the show, you can go and look and you'll see them. Um, there, there's pictures of these cities that are, that are like built around an Island or cities that are built like, you know, like all, all connected into one, one huge mass floating mass. And then it's, it's, it's neat. I know those are all concept designs. How far off are we from doing stuff like that? Well, I'll tell you the most famous one, uh, Artisanopolis, uh, was made very strictly according to our floating city, uh, implementation plan. Uh, made by Dutch engineers who are all about floating in the water. So we had very uh, specific ideas about uh, these would be like pentagon shaped or, or hexagon. And you could move them around and attach them. It'd be kind of like a floating Venice. And then these guys made this video um, following pretty strictly what the parameters are, but adding other things like greenhouses and the type of things that would be above the floating structure. So what you're seeing is pretty rigorously based on what was planned, um, you know, when we were working on the floating city project. This was before French Polynesia. So, um, and just yesterday, I discovered there's a Norwegian marine um, engineer who gives a TED talk about how to move floating cities. And I'm like, how did I not know about this? Wow. So I click on it and watch it. And his whole talk, he's featuring Artisanopolis. So he's a serious guy who works in the North Sea. And he's talking about how this would work, how it would be done, why it's safer around the equator. He's saying independently all the things that, that we've been Completely saying. Completely independent, unrelated to you. Just, just yeah. off to, that's, even, that's even more powerful, you know? I think you may have caught lightning in a bottle there, Joe. Yeah. And so some of these things, people think it's just a fantasy, but some of those images you see are, are based pretty rigorously on, on engineering plans. Well, it starts with, it starts with a crazy idea, man. You know, everything does. It starts with a crazy idea and then, and then we grow towards it, you know, figure out how to get there. And, and it looks like we're really, I mean, you know, from talking to you, we're obviously a lot closer to this than a lot of people realize. And since we're kind of already starting to do it, you know, solving these problems and getting out at sea and, and, uh, and, and, and making things happen. That's good, dude. That's yeah. Good. You got a better idea for society. Go, go tr get your allies yeah. together and go try it out there. Yeah. Give it a shot. Figure That's out, great. figure out how to get people to pay for it, you know, demonstrate it. So, you know, I just heard uh, Jeff Bezos say last night um, that big things start small. You know, he's yeah, talking about, so you know, true. Amazon was garage. He was on his knees. He's delivering the packages to the post office himself. Um, so th that's what, that's what these sea pods are. You start really small, but eventually you're going to build your, your Paris of the sea. That's so cool. That's so cool. All right. Um, dude, I don't yeah. Oh, that's next, huh? <laughs> Three-dimensional world out there. I like it. Well, yeah. I mean, we always hear about how little we know of of the Earth's oceans, you know, and how and and just the wealth that that that's down there. You know, we we don't even know. You know, we could completely change the face of you know commerce and 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 you know exchange and all that other stuff just by just further exploring what we got right here. That's crazy. Know. Yeah. We, we literally know more about the surface of Mars than we know about the bottom of the ocean. You know, that that's, that's nuts. 
That's yeah. nice. And you know, you, you have all these visionaries like we could get rockets um, and go land them on asteroids at amazing expense and risk of life to mine rare earth minerals because they're so valuable down here on earth. At the bottom of the sea, there are nodules of rare earth minerals, not even buried, just sitting down there. <laughs> yeah, just kind of uh, fell out of the sky, right? It's, it's floating down there, sitting on yeah. there. And I so, don't know. You don't know? No, I, don't, I mean, it's like, it just, it, it does, it blows the mind, right? You're just kind of thinking about what, what could be, you know, if we just kind of keep moving in this direction, how far we can go with, with uh, you know, developing yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, what, we don't know. We don't. We don't know. It's just. It's. It's. It's an unknown. It's an unknown world, right? So. Yeah, it's. It's. It's the power of people's attention. So everyone's focused on going to space, and they're focused on going to Mars, and we haven't even explored this this planet yet. It's like it's. We don't live on planet Earth. We live on planet Ocean. It's like ninety five percent of the living space is in the ocean, and and we know very little about it. Uh, we 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 imagine. Uh, alien intelligence on other planets. Well, you know, the deep squids and the cephalopods are completely alien intelligences. Yeah. Um, yeah. That we don't understand anything about them. And we don't, we don't make an attempt to understand how they communicate and how they do things or even discover like, you know, the deep water squid that, you know, is, is very rarely seen, but apparently has a big brain and all this. Um, and, uh, you know, you want to go... To, to Mars, you can practice all that much more cheaply. Um, just a, a few meters down in the ocean, you, you practice zero gravity environments, you know, all these yeah. things. And, and I, I, I'm gonna say something a little provocative. I, I was invited to a space conference and I gave a whole, a whole talk about this and it made the whole space conference mad, but I guess that was my intention. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Which is, uh, you know, I, I made, I made this, uh, this libertarian argument, which is, it, it, this is only my opinion. I don't know anyone who shares this opinion. But the only reason uh, Elon Musk and all these guys are obsessed with going to Mars, the real reason is because of state propaganda. State propaganda was selling the Cold War. We're going to beat them to the moon. We're going to beat them to Mars. They, they instilled kids' imaginations with what it's going to be like out in space and how amazing it's going to be. And they sell this bleak, gray, without an atmosphere, radiation-laden world that with no life in it as some fancy dream. And then so, those kids grew up to be science fiction writers, and then they write science fiction about it. And kids are running around with little space helmets and playing spaceman, cowboys and Indians that before you know it, they all grow, they're, they're saying, man, by the time I'm an adult, I'm going to get to go to Mars. And then these guys become adults and they're fabulously successful entrepreneurs and they're mad that they can't go to Mars. This is something I always wanted to do since I was a kid. Let alone back to the moon. So <laughs> Yeah. And, and what's out there? Like, imagine you go to Mars, you make it, and then you stare at red sand and then it gets boring. Uh, before we terraform Mars, how about we stop terrorizing the Earth? You don't want to go to Mars, man. Arnold almost lost his head. Yeah. You know, just an ex almost, you remember when he, when he, you know, what was that, what was that movie, uh, Total Recall? Total and his face almost exploded? Yeah, you don't want to go to Mars. <laughs> no, no, I, yeah, no exploding heads uh, on, on planet Ocean. <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a vast section of this world that we haven't even thought about. We, we don't pay attention to it. We, we don't look down, we look up. Yeah. 
and we, we should discover this planet first. And it's the best place to experiment with new societies. So you said something, you, you mentioned that squid and it made me think, what is your solution? Do you have a solution for the Kraken? Yeah, release it. <laughs> you know, that, release that, the Kraken. That, that big, that big undersea. It's a little bit of a. It's a. It's a dumb joke. I'm sorry, but well, uh, you know. It's, how do we know? <laughs> how do we? We don't even know if there is a Kraken because we don't yeah. goddamn go down there. I yeah. know, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Why would we know about it? Yeah, I don't know. It's uh. No, you're right though, man. I mean, there's there's so much we don't know, and there's such an opportunity to get down there and go look, and yeah. uh, and 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 developing a a community right on the surface is at least a launching. A launch pad, I guess, is probably not the right word since I'm trying, you know, talking about going down instead of up. But you get the idea. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a starting point to continue uh, the, the, the deep ocean exploration, um, at least in a way that we can do it. You know, or, I mean, as far, as far as we can do it anyway. You know. Yeah, I mean, we have the equivalent of the Kraken down there. I mean, for most has to be has to be down there somewhere. Like, like it's it's been discovered like it's it's a little thing it's not as scary as we thought but it's as alien and strange so mm-hmm. the fact that it was so late in human evolution and if it wasn't for bob ballard the famous ocean explorer we wouldn't we wouldn't know about this but we think we thought that all the microscopic um animals every living thing that we knew we thought ultimately traces its energy back to the sun mm. it comes from photosynthesis and then it's spread through everything else right but at the bottom of the ocean, only a few decades ago, was discovered the first creatures, a whole ecosystem of creatures, all the way down there. Yeah. With no contact with the sun, getting all its energy from underwater vents. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. And it's like a completely, it's like a equivalent to alien creatures. Uh, couldn't be more evolutionarily distant from, from us. That's crazy. I mean, that's an amazing thing to discover. And the fact that we don't bother to go down there to discover the alien worlds that are down there is really kind of crazy. Yeah, well, look at all this crazy stuff that washes up every so often, you know, and we, no one knows what it is. Or, or every once in a while, one of those sharks that no one has ever seen yeah. is dying and it comes to the surface because it's on its last legs, you know, they're like, oh yeah, this is a, a, a grill shark. Um, we've never seen one before. Krill, <laughs> <Or whatever. laughs> no. whatever they're called. Yeah. Yeah. We, we know squids and octopuses are smart. We know the bigger they are, the smarter they are. And the only way we know about like the colossal squid is when they've washed up dead. Mm-hmm. So yeah. a live one is barely, has basically never been in contact. So we have no idea what that, how smart that thing is or what it's doing way down there. That's crazy. Smart enough to not be seen. Yeah. Keep, keeps the hell away from us. It must be pretty yeah. smart. Yeah. <laughs> right on, man. Well, uh, the, are, am I missing anything? Do we touch on it all, Gumbo? You think? I'm just fascinated. This is we can talk, keep going if you want. I know. I yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, the only thing Joe, you missed. Did we miss Bitcoin anything? To ocean yeah. builders and buy yourself a sea pod. We need to do that. That needs to happen. I need to do that so bad. We need to get our friends on board too, Gumbo. We got we got to make this happen. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and all your wealthy listeners donate to the Seasteading Institute. Yeah, that's yeah. good. <laughs> if I can boast. Do it. Here's my chance to boast in case there's a wealthy donor who wants to actually make liberty happen. So when I learned about seasteading, I was like, this is going to change the world. What is, now that I understand it, I can't wait to get on Google and find out what it's about. So every single press story was evil billionaires want to get away from the rest of us and pollute the ocean with Peter Thiel. And it was like, oh no, it, it was just a disaster. So what I do is I tell stories for a living. And you can't argue with the, the dominant narrative out there. You have to tell a bigger, better, 
more powerful story than the one that's out there that'll make people pay attention and listen to it. So I set about doing that. I wrote the book. I made the eight great moral imperatives of seasteading. I explained environmental restoration. I'm in the press. I started telling a story and the story has reached a thousand times more people, inspired all these people to do Blue Frontiers, to do Ocean Builders, to do Ventive Float House. There's at least four seasteading companies now. And the people think that ideas change the world, but it's really stories that change the world. And the, the story of seasteading has been told by seasteading and that's what's inspired the, the approaching aquatic generation. And that's what's making it happen, inspiring it uh, people the same way that uh, science fiction writers inspired people about going to space. We're trying to yeah. inspire people about going to the ocean. That's awesome. That's good. Yeah. Do you, do you have anything else? Anything else you want to plug Joe? I want to give you an opportunity to plug all you got. We talked about, we talked about everything, but I want to know, make sure we got it all. What else you got out there? You got a question, we can answer it. Go to seasteading.org. Google your question next to seasteading.org and, and we'll answer it. And Good. there's short answers, there's deep research, there's, there's long talks about it. There's tons to explore. And the more you learn, the more you're going to say, oh my God, this is going to happen. And then you're going to say, I just figured out how I can bring my business to this. And it's going to work better out there than here. That's so, so cool. So yeah, st start the journey. That's so cool. I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and end the recording, but don't go anywhere. We'll, we'll chat a little bit more here. Thanks so much for joining us, Joe. It was a pleasure yeah, talking you. to you. What are you doing? <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Unshackled Liberty. Now's the time that we have to pay some bills and, and, and I guess what do, they, what do they say? Pay some bills, clean up shop. I don't know what it is. Well, you just kind of we sweep just kinda, sweepers, man, your brooms. <laughs> we just kind of pimp all your stuff. Right. So like, yeah. so like if you wanted to, if you felt like you wanted to do this and you wanted to help us out financially, uh, we won't say no. Uh, you can go to patreoncom slash unshackled Liberty, where we have a patch club. I think it's $3 a month and we'll send you our, our, uh, send you our morale patch. It's like a Velcro patch you can put on your stuff. It's kind of dope. Um, if you like our if you like our show logo, you're gonna like the the uh, the patch because that's what it looks like. And uh, and then of course you can also support us at Anchor.fm/UnshackledLiberty. That's uh, those are the guys that actually put together or distribute the uh, the podcast for us. But you know what's cool about Anchor.com? Nope, no, nope, no, nope, wrong one. Anchor.fm/UnshackledLiberty is you can leave a message for us. Um, I kind of think that's a cool thing. You can go in there, you can leave us a voicemail. You should leave us some voicemail. Yeah. And if it's cool, we'll play it, man. I mean, if you're dropping F-bombs and you're like saying nasty stuff, we're just kind of like, thanks, but no thanks. But man, if it's- We'll if it's, laugh about it, but yeah, it yeah. we can't use it. Yeah, we'll, we'll laugh between the two of us and, and whatnot. <laughs> but we're not, gonna, we're not gonna put it on the show. But man, if you leave us something funny, something stupid, something intellectual, right? I don't know. Yeah. Even something. Uh, Give us a message. Yeah, we want to hear from you. We'll, we'll drop Where are it. you? Yeah, who, who are you? Who are you? Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, um, you've heard us do it before, and we're we're gonna keep doing it. If you guys are musicians and you want to send us an MP3 of some of your original work, um, you can send it to unshackled.liberty at gmail.com. Yeah. And uh, where's our bass players? Where's our guitars? Where's the keyboards? Yeah. Where's exactly. our flute players? Harps. Where's our? I want a jazz. Bagpipes. Player. 
jazz, jazz blue, yeah. well, piccolo even it doesn't matter anything we, we, we want to <laughs> provide a platform for you creative people to, to express yourself yeah dude if you guys play a mean ukulele let's hear it let's hear it so so there's that so you can send us that email uh we'll play it um so that's it right i think anything else we're missing you want to follow if you if we want to follow you on Twitter, who who, who do we who do we follow there, Gumbo? I am at Crypto Gumbo on Twitter, and I am at Q underscore Abolitionist, and we have a show page at Unshackled underscore L, and we're most active on on Twitter. But uh, but you, I, I have a little Facebook page that I almost never use, and that's really just to distribute the uh, the the show on Facebook. But if you guys wanted to follow us, we're most active on Twitter. Um, and we'd love we to We also chat. have a Discord, Unshackled Liberty Discord, but uh, we still have to build upon it a little bit more, but it's still there. It's kind of like entry level, guys. You're dealing with, I mean, yeah, we're, we're Gen Xers, but we're kind of on the, kind of on like, uh, you know, we, we don't we don't understand a lot of that stuff, man. <laughs> I'm not, am I not allowed to say that? All right. I'm just joking, man. All right. So anyway, hey, thanks for your listenership, guys. And uh, we hope to hear from you. Mahalo.